Hello and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.co. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Well, good morning, everybody. And good morning to those who are watching online around the country and around the world. We are really, really glad that you are part of this Crossroads family. We love and care about you. Uh, how many, let me, let me ask this question. How many of you, along with me, really, really, really do not like fire ants? Raise your hand. There we go. All right, God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. You know, I remember the very first encounter that I ever had with fire ants. I grew up in Colorado, and we didn't have any there. We also didn't have fleas. Isn't that weird? Kind of because of the altitude and things. But, but I remember the first time I ever encountered fire ants, I didn't even know what they were. Never heard of them. And I was, uh, I was with a, a friend in, uh, in Oklahoma, and I go outside and pray at night a lot of times, and it was a summer night. So I was in shorts, and I just thought as I'm walking around, I thought I'm just going to sit down in the yard here. And apparently, I sat right down on a fire ant hill. And I started to get uh, bit in places, I'll just say, that one ought not to get bit in. We'll just put it like that. And I got bit multiple times in places one ought not to get bit. But, you know, as I, as I was, you know, uh, you know, walking away from that, I, I thought two things about those fire ants. I thought, man, they are passionate about what they do. And they really work as a team, don't they? And, uh, and, you know, a few, just as I was preparing this message, I was out over by here by the fence out here and uh, talking, talking to somebody on the phone, and then I saw, I saw a big old fire ant hill. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know what it is, but I think there's little boys, we, from the time we were, were kids, there's something about when we go to the edge of a cliff, we are compelled by God, we believe, to, to spit off of that or to throw something off of that, right? And then also, it's like if we see an anthill, we are compelled to do something. It's, it's of God, and we're supposed to, you know, kick that thing, right? So I don't know whether it was the child inside of me. I don't know if it was still the thing that I'm still not over, the fact that I nearly got neutered by some ants in Oklahoma several years before. I'd like to think that I was acting as God's, you know, as the instrument of God's wrath, but I just, I kicked over this, this fire ant hill. And again, I was really blown away by what they did. There was not one ant that wasn't doing something, right? Every single ant was involved doing something. Everybody, they were either protecting the next generation, they were protecting the eggs and taking care of those, they were going to try to kill this big giant with the big nose that was just obliterated their village, right? Or, or they, were, they were also building, some of them immediately started building, they were building, protecting, or taking care of the next generation. And I thought, man, if we could just do that in the body of Christ, that we would be that passionate, that involved, that everyone involved, that everyone, that we cared about the next generation that much, that we cared about building the nest that much, that we cared about, uh, about protecting each other that much, can you imagine what we would do, uh, God's people, for the, uh, for the kingdom of God? And, uh, and so, so something I, I thought of there, too, just some things that we need. We've been talking about for the last few, uh, few weeks about how we need each other and, and about relationship. But I want to talk about the, even how we need each other as the, as the church today. Because there's, there's some things we need to know about the church. One thing about it is it is God's instrument in this world. 
You may not have thought of that, but, but the, you know, God's design for this world is he wants everybody to come to faith in him. He wants to evangelize the world. He also wants to disciple. He wants to build his people up. He also wants us to reach communities and states and nations and the, and the world. And the primary way, not the only way, but the primary way he does that, you can travel around the world anywhere you go, and the primary way he does that is through a local body of, uh, of believers and, and the local body of believers working as a, as, as a unit. That's how he does that. I really believe along with Bill Hybels that when he said that the local church is the hope of the, of the world. It's also the agenda. It's also the agenda for, the, for, for Christ. That's his, he says this, I will build my church. And on that, the, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, God's design, God's plan, God's agenda for this world is to build his, his church. Something else is that uh, he loves this church very, very much. He loves his church very much and it says this in ephesians it says uh, it says that um christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her i want you to think about that jesus didn't just die for us individually he died for his church in fact he calls the church his bride how about that he calls the church his body and so uh and so i think you know if, can you imagine if we had again as much passion for christ's body and christ's church as, uh, as he did. He said this. Oh, and I believe this too. He loves his church warts and all. Because there's not such thing as a, as a perfect body of believers. There's not such thing as the, the perfect church universal. Uh, he loves her warts and all and, and, and screw-ups and all and mess-ups and all and, and, and blowing it and all. He is absolutely in love with his church. Rick Warren said this in his, uh, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. He said this. The person who says, I don't need the church is either arrogant or ignorant. The church is so significant that Jesus died upon the cross for it. Christ loved the church and gave his life for it, Ephesians 5, we just read. By, the Bible calls the, uh, the church the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. I can't imagine saying to Jesus, I love you, but I dislike your wife. Or I accept you, but I reject your body. We do this whenever we dismiss or demean or complain about the church. Instead, God commands us to love the church as much as Jesus does. The Bible says, love your spiritual family. Sadly, many people use the church, but they don't love the, the church. And almost every time the Bible mentions the word church, it's talking about a local congregation, not just the universal church. And how do we, how do we love that? How do you know whether you're loving the church the way God loves the church? When you love something, you give it your time. When you love something, you give it your attention. When you love something, you give it your resources. When you love something, you care about what happens to, uh, to it. And we just need to make sure that we are loving the church as much as God loves the church. There's two real metaphors that he uses, and uh, just mention one of them. One of them is, the, is a family, and the other is a body. The Bible says that we are, and that's pretty cool, a family. We use that word a lot around, around here. The Bible says this, you are members of God's very own family, members, uh, citizens of God's country, and you belong to God's household with every other Christian. And that word belong just jumped out of me. Because do you realize this? God doesn't just want you to believe. He wants you to also belong. He doesn't want you just to belong. He wants you to believe. We are called to believe and we're called to belong. And if we're doing, not doing both of those things, we're not living the life God wants us to, uh, to, to live. And, and something, you know, whenever a child is born, they automatically become a member of the universal family of, of human beings, right? And whenever, and every, every person in this world is a creation of God, but not every person is a child of God. 
We become a child of God when we give our life and, uh, and we make Jesus Christ our Lord and, and, and Savior. And the Bible says this, you are members of God's very own family. Oh, we just read that, sorry. And it says, but it says, just like in a, in a family, I mean, the, not only when somebody is born, they're part of the universal family, but they also need now, they need a family. They need a, a physical family. They need a tangible family right there to make sure they are nourished, to make sure they are taken care of, to make sure they are protected, to make sure they, they mature. And the same way we may become a Christian and, and immediately we become part of the universal family of God, but we need a, a local body. We need a place that we can plug into. We need a place where we can pour into. We need a place where we can be nourished and strengthened and equipped and, uh, and mature. And God wants, you may not know this, but God, you know, God obviously wants us to love everybody, right? But do you know he wants us especially to love the household of believers? He especially wants us to love each other. Listen to this. Paul, Peter says this, so special love for God's people. Paul echoes the same thing. He says, when we, are, when we have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it. But we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Let me ask you this. Why in the world would God want us to spend specially love each other, even more than what we, what we do? Obviously, we're supposed to love the world, but even more so that we love each other. Why in the world would he put that kind of emphasis in his word? I think it's because Jesus said this. He said, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Remember one time we took a, a mission trip. I was on a mission trip with the youth in the, in the church, and we were in Brazil. And we were ministering in a very, very dangerous area. And so, uh, so they had us, the churches had uh, guards for us. Wherever we'd go, we'd have guards that were surrounding us, three or four guards. Two of the, and these guys were prison guards. And I mean, they were tough, tough hombres, right? And, and I remember two of the guards were brothers, and, I, and they hated each other. They would not talk, they would not look at each other, they worked some time together and everything, but they had nothing to do with each other. They despised each other. But at the end, towards the end of the trip, they came up to us, and they had watched us love each other. They had watched us care for each other. They had watched us pray for each other and, 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 just, and, and truly be, be the body of Christ to each other. And they came up together and they said, you have something we need. Said your love, your your care for each other has touched our life, and we want to become Christians too. And then right after they gave their life to Christ, they're hugging, they're embracing, and we watch them be reconciled, all because we loved each other in a in a neat way. And that says a lot about the youth in this church as well. We'll be uh, we'll also something you think about. We'll be longer in this family than we are in our physical family. I mean, our physical family we're going to be there what 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe a hundred years. We're going to be together forever, y'all. We're going to be, so we are going to be for, together as, as the family of God forever and ever and ever. And, and another thing is, uh, is we're a body. The Bible says this, in Christ we form one body and each member, there it is again, belong, there's the word again, to each, uh, to each other. And, and listen to this, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of, of love. Every part of your body is different, but every part of your body is important. There's not one part of your body that you don't want to be without. There's not one, one part. And in fact, if, if every part of your body, if that part does not do its job, it doesn't just affect that part of the body, it affects the whole body. You know, there's three of us on staff, including myself, that, ne that this next week we're going in for, for surgery. 
on something. And every one of us, it may be one part of the body that is hurting, but it's affecting the whole body. It's affecting all of us. Uh, and so let me ask you this. I cannot name a part of your body, liver, kidney, eye, foot, whatever it is, that is not vitally important for you to live, right? And so here's the thing. Why would we possibly think if God created us as individuals, if God created us to be part of a body, then why would we think that, that doing, us not doing our part would not have an effect on the, on the whole body? And the other thing is, too, is, is God's, uh, for the part of the body to, uh, to fulfill their purpose, they need to be connected. You don't have a kidney over here. You don't have, you know, intestines over here. You don't have a nose over here. They need to be connected in order for that to happen. This is what the Bible says. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and our function. I mean, don't you want your meaning and your function as part of the body? But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? We need to be connected, and we need to be doing our part, every single one of us. And a few reasons why we need to be, be connected. The first thing is we need each other's support. You know, there was a, a person in here that reminded me of a story that I told several years ago, and it's a story about uh, redwoods. If you've ever been to, especially California, and seen the redwoods, they're just amazing, amazing trees. Some of them two, 300 feet uh, tall, and, and uh, many of them are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. How in the world do they grow so big? How in the world do they, do they remain for so long? You would think they would have a root system that is so deep, so deep, so deep for something that tall, but they don't. They have very shallow roots, but here's the thing about their roots. Their roots are interconnected. That is why you will rarely, rarely, rarely ever see a redwood by itself. They are always in groves. And something that, so they support each other when like bad winds or rain or things like that, each one of us, each one of it holds and helps support the other to stay up. The other thing that it does is, is they're all interconnected. So, and there's a fungus that is, as soon as one, one part touches the other, a fungus grows in there that it interconnects with each other. That means if one has light, but the others over here don't, this one shares the light with all the others. If this one over here has access to water and the others don't, this one through the root system shares the water with over that. What a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. That we share with each other that you've got gifts, that you've got things that I don't have. I've got things that you don't have. You've got things that you don't have, and vice versa. And when we share with each other, and when we, because there are going to be those storms of life, too. There's those going to be times when it rains, when it pours, and everything, and the wind blows against us. And we need to be supporting each other and encouraging each other. And uh, Mother Teresa said this, you can do what I cannot do. I can do what you cannot do. Together, we can do great things. And the body of Christ also... Uh, helps us stay in tune. And if, uh, if you guys can come out one second, I remember one time I was another on another uh, mission trip, and I, uh, I was I was going to help lead worship with some of the some of the people in our group. We were going to do that, and so I I came up to the to the guitar that I knew I was going to use, and here's what it sounded like. And I'm like, oh man, oh man, that's that's just terrible, right? So I got out a tuner, I got out a tuner, and I started to. Uh, and, and I started to tune the guitar with an electric tuner. So then it sounded, it sounded a whole lot better. It sounded like, it sounded like this. And I'm going, okay, that sounds good. But then the guy who was going to play uh, before me, lead worship, the one whose guitar it was, he came up and he heard this. And somehow he went, and he started going, and messing with everything and messing the whole thing and pretty soon, whoop, he played a chord 
And it sounded like this, and I'm like, oh my goodness, but he goes, and what happened, I thought of this, and I thought, he had become so accustomed to not being in, to not being in tune, he became so accustomed to not, to hearing the wrong thing, that the right thing sounded wrong to him, and the wrong thing sounded right to him, isn't that wild? And so, uh, so something else that I, I thought of there is, is every single one of us, it's like a guitar, is if you play it for long enough, it will get out of tune. And the harder you play that guitar, the faster it will get out of, uh, out of tune, right? And if, especially if you bump against something, it will get out of tune very, very quick that, that way. And isn't that true with us with life? I mean, there's times we get out of tune, y'all. I mean, we just get out of tune in life. There's times that we're just, just by living life, uh, we can get out of tune. Uh, especially the harder we, we live life, the more we can get out of tune, the quicker we can get out of tune. If somebody bumps up against us, if this world bumps up against us, we can get out of tune really, really quick. And I don't know about you, but I need to get back in tune every single day of my life. There's a big reason why I go out and I, I, I pray just about every night of my, day of my life and I, I spend time in God's Word because I get out of tune every single day. There's a reason why I love to come to, to, to worship. There's a reason why I come and on Wednesday night and things. It's because I get out of tune on a regular basis. I love what one lady said about Wednesday. She goes, man, I come on Sunday to get back in tune and I come back on Wednesday because I need to get retuned in the middle of the week. And we do that because we need to get in, in, in tune. Something else is, I remember being part of a, a, a youth, a bigger youth conference that we did, and there were about 10 or 11 youth pastors, and we all played guitar, and that's how we were going to lead worship. We'd never done that before, didn't have a keyboard or anything, but all of a sudden, we're, it, we took 20 minutes trying to tune, because we're trying to tune to each other, and we're spending so much time, we didn't even know exactly, you know, if it was right, the first person that we're tuning to, whether they were right. So the next time before we were getting up to worship, I took out a tuner. And I started to play, I started to tune the, uh, all the guitars to this tuner. And here's the cool thing, that all of a sudden when, they, when we all hit the same chord, we were all automatically tuned to each other because we were tuned to the, uh, to the tuner. And here's, where am I going with this? Here's what we think about, you know, if you and I are spending time with God's word every day and spending time with God, and uh, that, you know what we're doing? We're getting tuned to each other whether we know it or not. And that's true in a marriage. As we're spending time with, in God's word uh, apart, and then when we're spending time in God's word together, you know what we're doing? We're also getting tuned to each other. When we're doing what we're doing right now, when those are online right now, you're getting tuned with us, we're getting tuned with you, you don't even know it. We're getting tuned with each other just because we are tuning with God. We're putting in ourselves a place where we can get tuned to, together. And go ahead, you guys do it. So, so here, is it, or this one, <laughs> thanks. We'll see if this works. So now they've just, while I've been doing that, they've been tuning up, even though what I've just had put us intentionally out of tune. Listen to what we've got. Two, three. And that's what God wants us to, to be. He wants us to be continually tuned with each other. At, uh, and if we're tuned with him, we're automatically tuned with each, uh, with each other. And something else, too, is, is that being uh, together also kindles our flame. You being around me, inspires me. Me being around you hopefully inspires you. We need each other there.
everybody. I hope this is an illustration that you uh, don't soon forget. What I have here is obviously some nice hot coals, and trust me, they are very, very warm right now. And I'm going to take this coal, this uh, coal that's been away completely, and, and put it in the midst of these uh, white hot coals. Now, what's going to happen to this coal? Uh, pretty soon, because it's in the environment of the heat of the other coals, it's going to heat up as, as well. And after it heats up, this is pretty cool, it's going to help heat the other coals up. And if I was to take another new coal and put it in there, after a while that coal is going to help heat that coal up. But on the other hand, if I was going to take one of these white hot coals and I took it away from the rest of the coals, what's going to happen to this coal? Over time, it is going to cool off. Not immediately, but gradually that thing is going to go from white hot to gray to dark it's going to cool off. And the same thing is true in the body of Christ, I believe, that, that when, when we get together with other Christians, when we're part of the body of Christ, and we're in that environment on a regular basis, we're going to heat up. Our faith is going to heat up. Our passion for God is going to, going to heat up. And here's the neat thing, too, is, is God's going to use us to heat up the, the other people around us. And when new people come in, something that we're going to do is God's going to use us to heat them up as well. But make no mistake that if we get away from the, the body of Christ, we are, we're going to cool off too. And again, it may not be right away, it may not be days or even weeks, but, but soon. We're going to cool off in our faith, we're going to cool off in our passion. Make no mistake about it. Now I've been uh, a minister for a, for a while, and I've, I've been around thousands of, of believers. And something that I've seen, I've seen people who are on fire in their faith. I've seen people who are stagnant in their faith. I've seen people who have sadly lost their faith. But one thing I cannot think that I've ever seen one time in my life is somebody who is away from the body of Christ and they're growing in their faith. I'll just be real with you. There's uh, initial signs of people when they have some disease or some sickness. And I think there's some initial signs when people who are, are, are cooling off in their faith and are, are not as passionate for God. And I think one of those initial signs is inconsistent attendance in worship, inconsistent attendance with the, the body of Christ, whatever that is. But on the other hand, that one of the signs that I've seen of somebody growing in their faith is they want to be in worship. They want to be in the house of God. They want to be in the fellowship of the believers. So I guess the question is, which coal best represents you right now in your life? Which coal best represents your family? Are you the coal that has separated itself from the rest of the body? Or are you the coal that is intentionally putting itself in the middle of the heat? One student of our culture nailed it when he said this, uh, today's culture of independent individualism has created many spiritual orphans bunny believers who hop from one church to another without any identity, accountability, or commitment. And another thing was probably around their strength also in being uh, together. This, uh, this is an illustration I've had the opportunity to share a few times over the years. Uh, I've been a, a rock climber and a mountaineer for about 25 years. Uh, at my age, I'm definitely on the downslope of that career. However, uh, over the years, uh, people that know me um, have often asked uh, because they're perplexed by the by the fact that I'm a, a rock climber and a mountaineer and, a, and that I'm willing to go and take those sorts of risks because for those who know me um, also know that I'm really not a huge risk taker and so 
Um, I think it's kind of perplexing for folks who know me to go, well, why, if you, being not a huge risk taker just surprises me that you're willing to go and, and do the things that you do uh, out in the mountains. And uh, for me, in addition to being a rock climber, I'm also uh, kind of a gearhead. A lot of you, a lot of you guys might appreciate this. So being a gearhead means that I know a lot about the equipment. And uh, one of those pieces of equipment is, uh, is the climbing rope, obviously a pretty pivotal piece of, of the, the climber's arsenal. And actually, this, this particular rope's been up quite a few mountains with me. It's a, a section of retired climbing rope here. And I, and I know something about this rope that, uh, that lots of people, untrained people or people who aren't climbers and mountaineers don't know. You know, to, to people who, uh, who don't know, and they look at this piece of rope and they look at a rock climber, you know, dangling from this rope, you know, a few hundred, sometimes a few thousand feet up a rock face, it looks crazy. That we would uh, we would put our lives in the in the uh, in the midst of a half inch piece of climbing rope, you know, a single strand of rope, and you just go, what if that rope what if that rope breaks? Great question. But again, being a gearhead, I know something that most people don't know. What looks like to the untrained eye a single piece of rope is actually comprised of a, an inner core that's comprised of numerous pieces of rope. And then if I were to keep going, each of these numerous pieces of rope broken down into numerous pieces of rope and I could keep doing that keep doing that down to almost a microscopic fiber and so what I know is that this rope is strong this half inch climbing rope is strong not because it's a single strand but because it's made up of numerous strands woven together and and, uh, and that's why Ecclesiastes says that uh, many cords are not easily broken and uh, and so there's a picture for us in the climbing rope of the strength that comes uh, from doing life together and being part of a church family together And this is a a real demonstration of Ecclesiastes where it says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We're a family. We're a body. We're better together. We're stronger together. We uh, we, uh, support each other. We tune each other. And also we strengthen each other. Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like to listen to past Crossroads Church Podcast, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.